Welcome back. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Critical Podcast. I hope you all had a great week. Uh, I know ourselves, we have had a amazing week. We've finally got some good news, which was a nice change. Uh, it's been a pretty dark little bit, uh, but we've had some good news. It was it was an awesome week. Uh, if any of you attended uh, the People's Party rally in Elmer, where Maxime himself showed up, uh, that was probably the most powerful political experience I've ever taken part in. Uh, I kid you not, we had more than 3,000 people in a town, probably close to that population, maybe a little more, but, but it was it was so incredible to see so many people gathering under one vision. Uh, and it was it was refreshing. And if you haven't really experienced that, I, I really encourage you to try to. And just just so you can really understand just how different everyone is. There's so many different walks of life. And in a world that seems more divided than ever, it was so refreshing and uplifting to see so many different people that just all get along because they share a common drive for freedom. And like, I I kid you not, there was like the most backwoods hillbillies. You had hippies and you had staunch business people. You have every walk of life and nobody didn't get along. Anywhere you looked, you had a friend. And that, honestly, it really uplifted my spirits a lot this week. Uh, And you should do that too. Understand it and and realize really what's happening on a grassroots level. It'll it'll change things. But enough of my week. Let's uh, get into it. So now that I've started off on a bright note, we can uh, we can take a aggressive turn to the not so fun. Uh, You've now seen. Saskatchewan and Alberta also fall to the vaccine passports. This is something I kind of... Saskatchewan seems like it's just been ignored just on the whole. Uh, it's it's usually left out of many discussions. Uh, and honestly, I, I would rather be that way in the sense that if you're not really making waves, it's it's easy to slide under the radar. And in a, in a violent time like this, it, I could go for sliding under the radar. But Saskatchewan has fallen, Alberta has fallen, and Alberta is something I kind of called coming a long way away. You've got Jason Kenney, who I put in the same boat as Aaron O'Toole. He talks out both sides of his mouth. Uh, You can pretty much take to the bank that if he makes you a promise, it will be the exact opposite of what actually happens. So when he said up and down... Uh, vaccines will not be mandatory. We will not do passports. I knew right then and there that it would just be a matter of time. Uh, he has no respect for integrity. Uh, it's, it's one thing to not object to it. Um, but to, to say you're against this and say it's not legal in your view, um, and then to completely 180. To me, that's a different kind of disgusting. Um, and I, I've kind of, I've kind of toyed with that a, a bit over the conversations I've had 
talking about how our electoral system works. Uh, and I really do think I'll do a podcast on that. Um, but I, I, more to the point, I have more respect for, say, a liberal who just tells you, this is what I stand for, and, and then they go about imposing that on everyone. Obviously, I have my objections with that, but I have a, a certain level more of respect from somebody who will do what they say and, and say what they mean. Um, I have very little patience or time for these politicians that it, their, their word means absolutely nothing. Um, but yes, Alberta, Alberta has fallen. Um, it seems like we have now swept the board mostly. Uh, and the question is, how long is it here to here for? Uh, hopefully we can do something similar to England where it gets floated, it gets pushed. And, and certainly if they will coerce some people into it, I, I know many myself that have already fallen to the pressure. And I don't say that in a judging way. Everyone has their own individual calculations and whether or not they've got the fight in them or, or feel that it's necessary. Um, so I, I, I don't say that in a, in a manner to dismiss people that have truly been forced into it. I say that more out of, out of compassion and, and sympathy as to how we've gotten to this point. Um, and, and surely when they put the mandates out, I, I, I don't believe you changed many minds by doing that. Uh, you certainly coerced people into choices that they were pretty consciously against. Um, we're, we're, I think we're safely at a point where you can assume if you've wanted the vaccine for any reason or you've wanted information and, and sought advice, you've more than had your opportunity to get them. Uh, don't worry, you'll get more opportunities to get more of them as we find out the third and fourth do dose will certainly be coming down the pipe. Um, but if, if you, at this point, haven't, barring seemingly extremely rare medical conditions, I say that in the sense that most doctors are, are firmly f limiting medical exemptions. It, it seems like you have to have one of two options if you think a medical exemption is in your favor. So the idea of very, very few, but some medical exemptions, uh, outside of those, if you don't have it, it's, it's a conscious choice. There's, there's nobody that hasn't been aware. They weren't offered. Um, so yeah, when you put these mandates in, it, it is coercion of, uh, in my eyes, some of the, the darkest kind. Um, they won't threaten you. They will threaten your livelihood or your access. Um, I know parents right now are really struggling. So Ontario tried to mandate vaccines for everyone 12 and over. Um, hopefully it stays, but it seems like enough parents push back and they raise that age to 18. Meaning kids can still go to hockey. Um, however, if your parents don't have the vaccine, they can't watch. So even, even that, like you could see that coercing people into it as well. Um, and it's a pretty dark time in that sense. But again, I, I've talked in the past and, and I, I, I truly welcome it. We need, and, and I don't, I don't mean to sound sadistic in that sense, but we need it to get dark f to force 
more people into seeing behind the curtain. And every time they, they push harder, the timeline does move up. Um, it, that is both good and bad. It's, it's bad because if you are in that group, you, you can't participate in large portions of society. Uh, they're making it extremely uncomfortable. And some situations, people are losing their jobs. Um, we're facing a healthcare shortage because a significant number of nurses and, and doctors are not participating in this. Um, fortunately, I, I know a lot of them firsthand, though it's going to be a difficult season for them, they have a situation where they can weather it a little better. Um, I know certainly for myself, if I was put to the wall, I, I, I don't really have an option. I have to, I have to pay my bills. Luckily, I'm, I'm finding my own way of navigating it for now, but I, I certainly expect that to get harder and harder as time goes on and, and the rhetoric ramps up to against the unvaccinated. Um, but I, I'll save a lot of that for another time. I just wanted to touch on the topic that we're clearly in a season. It's, uh, it's going to be a difficult and interesting next half dozen months. Uh, but I, I see the silver linings. I see the potential on the other side of this and, to the dismay of the people that may wish it, um, I don't believe the narrative is holding much longer. But uh, we shall shift gears and, and get back into the election. Uh, this will be my last pre-election recording. Uh, today is Saturday night. Uh, the election and this podcast will air Monday. So you'll be hearing this when we're doing our final voting and, and tallying, I uh, have orientation tomorrow night. Usually I record on Sundays, um, but I have my orientation. I have volunteered to be a scrutineer at my local polling station. If you're on the fence on, on something similar to that, I encourage you to get involved and really understand the process and participate in the checks and balances of the system. And perhaps if you have a cynical outlook on our voting system, uh, get involved. You can you can see it, you can participate in it, and you can function in it to make sure uh, checks and balances are exerted. Uh, the thing I really enjoy about our, our election system is it's very localized. Uh, I know in our riding, the election officer is this sweet little old lady who's been doing it for 40 plus years. Uh, she has no bias and is has been super welcoming. Uh, she's, she's truly professional and I genuinely have very little, uh, skepticism in the integrity of our writings process. Um, but the nice thing about Canadians elections is it is a, is a localized process that will get amalgamated in the tallies. Um, but the actual processing is, is your neighbors. Uh, and, and I think there's value in that. But by all means, it, it, go, volunteer, sign up, be a scrutineer for whatever party you align yourself with, and, and participate. But we are into it, and it's going to be a very interesting election. I, I true, Every election makes history, but I think this election will make 
history on many fronts. Uh, you have a neck-and-neck neck race for liberals and conservatives. Uh, depending on your polling, uh, I know some of the more liberal polling is showing a liberal runaway. Uh, they seem to be pulling away in liberal polling. And then more of the conservative polling has it much more neutral. Uh, I think the last one I saw from post-millennial was about 30% each, give or take, maybe 2%. So it's going to be nail-biting close. And then you have the historical significance of where the People's Party land. Uh, this is only their second election, and it they look potentially to secure 10% of the vote. So that in and of itself is going to make absolute history in in so much as the fastest growing political movement in Canada. Just note, it took over 30 years for the Green Party to, to average out 2 or 3%. Now, will 10% of the population equate to seats and if so what seats will they be and and to what level how many seats will we get um that to me is the real question um unfortunately with our system you could have 10 percent of the population vote for you and still technically win no seats uh i don't see us winning none i i think there's at least two that are pretty much in the bag i i i may be eating my words on this um, but I, I think there's two that are pretty high chances. Uh, pragmatically speaking, I think between six and ten seats is is what I kind of expect. Um, the fun part is we'll get to look back at this and, and see just how close or far off my reality is. Uh, but yeah, in a, in a perfect world, I'd like to see ten seats. Uh, realistically, if we get about half that, that's that's a good... That's a really good campaign. Uh, I hope our candidate in our riding wins. In in our riding, it's it is by all of our polling, it is a neck and neck race. Uh, so the concept of vote splitting, at least in in the regards of my riding, is just silly because uh, we really have a chance at winning ours. Uh, and if everything goes the way we hope, uh, we we certainly believe locally and nationally there there's a large silent majority that are are not necessarily for the PPC um but there's a significant silent majority that are done with the typical establishment politics um they're just done with voting the lesser of two evils and always coming out the loser for it um so we'll see it's it's it will certainly be historic uh, chances are we won't know a single thing as far as outcome the night of. Uh, it seems like mail-in voting is not even allowed to start counting till the next day at minimum. Uh, so it could be a couple days before we really tabulate all of our votes. And if if you're one of those conspiracy-minded like myself, uh, I know a lot of people have voiced concern about election integrity after seeing kind of what's playing out in the states with theirs. And just remember, our election tabulation is nothing like what happened in the States. Uh, yes, we have mail-in voting. Yes, there is theoretical potential for, for problems there. Uh, 
realistically, I don't see a large scale. I don't. You're probably not going to see water pipes break in the in the voting station. Uh, you're probably not going to see suitcases dragged in and four in the morning. Um, and just remember, it is it's going to be sixty year old Martha. You're going to have your neighbors. It's it's really local people counting um, from the communities that are counting for, and you have people from every party, hopefully, uh, scrutineering every possible station. Uh, and again, I say that across party lines. I, I think everyone should participate and secure their elections from bias. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be scrutineering on behalf of the PPC, uh, but I, I truly hope there is a liberal scrutineer there as well as a conservative scrutineer. And I will share that space with them happily. I, I, I really encourage it because at the end of the day, I, I'm advocating for my values and my beliefs, but I don't want to do that at the expense of democracy. I don't want to cheat to get my way, uh, nor do I expect anything different from the other side. Uh, I, I would hope that the liberals would not want to push their ideas by cheating. And I, I say that based on the typical liberal voter. Certainly, I, I would attribute much more malice towards somebody like Justin Trudeau or many of the cabinet officials. Um, but I, again, uh, the average voter, I, I don't seek to disenfranchise anyone, and I would hope that that is afforded to me as well. Um, so yeah, participate, do your part, uh, and, and watch it. Uh, take your kid, if, if your kid is old enough to attend, Bring them, show them the process, and and get our next generation involved. But as far as what's going to shake out, how it will land, uh, we can go through. I see three potential scenarios from the big two. Uh, I I think we can safely dismiss the concept of a conservative majority. That's just not in the cards. Um, I I. No pundit would dare say that because there's nothing to suggest that's even a possibility. At this point, uh, we are almost certainly looking at a liberal or conservative minority with a small chance of a liberal majority. Uh, it really depends on the the turnout, uh, the, the get-the-vote effort, and how it pans out for each party. Um... If the Liberals win a majority, uh, in the small chance that it happens, uh, that would probably be doomsday level bad. Uh, I say that in the context of understanding through previous episodes. We've, we've broken down the direction Trudeau has truly pointed himself in. And he's, he's, he's shown his hand. He knows where he's going, and, and he doesn't hide it at this point. Uh, we see a lot of dehumanizing and othering language. He's shown a... a he's straight up come out and said he, he has no desire to, to unite a fraction of society that is against everything he's doing. Um, so if they win a majority, it's going to be bad. Uh, to what ends? I, I'm not going to speculate a guess. Um, I simply know that it, it will be bad. I also assume that if they get a majority, I would expect lockdowns 
within the week, maybe two weeks, um, I, I kind of called it in the sense that I knew no provinces, despite whatever situations going on, were going to do any lockdowns during the federal election because it, it simply didn't air well for the, the governing powers, which is Trudeau. So they would do everything they could not to. Uh, and it seems they succeeded. Uh, nobody locked down. Alberta kind of had their shake moment when they, they redeclared an emergency, but they have effectively not fully locked down other than this vaccine passport, which is its own kind of beast. Uh, if you see a liberal minority, what I expect is much the status quo, and I say that in a difficult sense, because uh, I think status quo has us creeping along this trajectory, and this trajectory, every time it creeps, it gets a little harder. Uh, we will almost certainly see another lockdown, regardless of who gets in. Uh, the question is, who gets in will impact when and how heavy. But I, I would certainly make my peace with the fact lockdowns are coming. I, uh, If it's a conservative minority, I think it buys us a little time. They will certainly need to get their stuff together to take power and, and to kind of get behind the wheel. And, and just that process will create delay. Or it will do the exact opposite, and they will, they will try and circumvent the processes in, haste, in favor of expediency. Uh, but I, I certainly think it'll be a slower takeover in that sense. What I don't know is, we, we now see the liberal chokehold on the premiers. Uh, you had Justin Trudeau and Doug Ford basically sign a non-aggression pact for this whole election. Uh, that, to me, was about it, all you needed to know to really understand the, the dynamic of how that relationship works. Uh, it seems like Doug Ford is the whipping boy for Trudeau and really is in no position to, to offer any pushback. But in the event that Trudeau is gone and, and effectively that thumb is removed from him, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they react. Uh, could we see a scrapping of the vaccine passports? Personally, I don't see it. I, I don't see the conservatives put in, pulling the plug on this stuff because they didn't campaign on it. Uh, it was not a talking point to them. And certainly they they know that that would have split the PPC vote. If the conservatives came out and, and said, look, we're going to do away with this. This isn't something we agree with. That would have that would have secured them a, a almost walk away minority. But they didn't. And, and I think there's good reason that they didn't because it's not on the table. Um, but nonetheless, you will see a removal of the extreme left pressure uh, in favor of slightly left pressure. Uh, and, and that might be more hospitable to a more centered approach and, and a regrouping of ideas where we can maybe have a discussion. But 
And that, that to me is the best case scenario would be a uh, conservative minority with a substantial PPC representation. Uh, as far as how the PPC play into the short term, I really hope this is a bit of a come to Jesus moment for the conservatives. Uh, they need to understand that they're losing their base faster than any party's lost support in Canada. If this goes six months, they will have effectively solidified their losses. Uh, I think, realistically, after the Conservatives' bean counters uh, can really look at the breakdown of the election, I figure you have six months to recapture your losses before they're they're gone forever. So if, if they do no policy and make no moves to appeal to those that left the ship, like me, I, I still am a card-carrying member of the Conservative Party. I uh, certainly will be rejecting my renewal request, but uh, I, I can count myself in that group that has left the party with no intention of going back. But I, I, I will acknowledge the fact that there's a good number of people that made that jump that could be persuaded to go back, um, but I, I figure you've got about a six-month clock on that. If you've made no real attempt to to bring them back into the fold, then they're gone forever. And, and that pretty much solidifies, say, a 10% PPC. That becomes the new jumping-off point. And it, it will lay the groundwork for the next round of draining, basically. You're, you're going to see more people leave, especially if they keep on the trajectory they're on. So if we get 10% this election, next election, we could do 20. And the one after that could be all it takes. Are we are we two cycles away from a People's Party leadership? Uh, time will tell. Um, but the forecast I see from the political spectrum, I think, make or break the, the election outcome the Conservative Party, from a management perspective, will have a very short window to correct any wrongs that they've created with this. Now, I have some friends who did not jump ship to the PPC and are instead rolling their dice with O'Toole. And I, I don't say that to inject my own bias. That is their own words. Uh, anyone I know voting Conservative, they are not voting for O'Toole. And I, and I know more than a dozen people voting conservative, but not one person is voting for the party. They are making a strategic calculation to, to remove Justin Trudeau, and that is it. Uh, every single person I can count that is voting conservative, their values and, and desire is with the PPC. They simply do not deem it pragmatic. They, they don't think it's possible to, to lead the country under PPC, just from a voting perspective, and they're not wrong. Their 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 point is not wrong. I think their target is off. I think there is a reason to vote PPC, knowing that they won't win federal. Uh, you you will see local wins, and that's that's critical. We've covered that a few times. But what I'm getting at is there's a huge, absolutely enormous base of conservatives still in the conservative camp that don't want to be there. 
they are basically prisoners within their own camp and they are they are at the end of the plank they are ready to jump off so if things don't change soon you're going to see a absolute hemorrhaging of support in the next election so the next cycle and and truly if if the liberals win another minority we will be having another election within two years. Um, and we can we can break that down a little bit in the sense that we are going to have some hard times and, and economically. Uh, interest rates are going to have to spike. Uh, inflation is already on the takeoff and it's, it's about to run wild. Um, and whoever is in power is going to have to account for some of this. And it with a minority government, if you have hard times in power, there's going to be an election. Trudeau might try another power grab for his majority if he doesn't get it. Or they'll look to throw him out when they start assessing where all the money that we have printed has been doled out. Uh, it's I don't think anybody really wants to be in power right now. Uh, other than a liberal majority to kind of insulate themselves. If they... if if a party has a majority, they, they can kind of hold that despite public sentiment. So the, the country could be wildly unfavorable to, to the party in power. But if, if they secure a majority, they're really insulated from public sentiment uh, and, and theoretically could ride pretty much anything out. Uh, but, but it's going to be... A rough time, and I do think we'll have another election in about two years, uh, maybe a little less. But there's going. It's politics. I think globally, but but let's focus on Canada for today. Are just broken, and and broken in the sense that I say that in a great way. I'm thrilled to see that politics are broken, because it means we have a chance to fix it when we put it back together. And you're seeing that. You're seeing that with the People's Party. Um, I'm really excited to see what comes of New Blue Ontario. Uh, I've reached out to them a couple times, and, and I'd really like to have an interview with them. Uh, but it seems like they are incredibly busy, and, and understandably, uh, get, trying to stand up a brand new party with a, another election looming next year. Um, but you're seeing a groundswell of blue-collar... Normal people wanting change. Uh, you're seeing a, an era of politics that hasn't been around since before Kennedy. Uh, bef- before Kennedy, before Reagan, I, I, I'm struggling to even find a time that there, this was the case. I mean, you'd have to go back to the founding of America to really find true populist control and, and, and advocacy. Uh, this is the thing of like William Wallace, where it was the country folk advocating for the country folk, um, and somehow we've fallen into this trap of of not not typical individuals are are trying to represent the masses, and you just you can't have atypical people doing it justice. It's it's just it's not how it works, and you're seeing it failing and it's it's awesome it's a great thing to see in a sense knowing that when 
when this gets put back together, there's a real possibility to do it the right way. And I say the right way with respect to history, knowing that in 50 years from now, we may learn it wasn't the right way or we got some things wrong. And that's fine, as long as we do better than what we've had now. But the, the week ahead of us will, will give us all the answers for the short term. And uh, when we get back together, we'll be able to dissect that a little bit. And uh, I figure we've probably got one or two more hard political episodes left. And then I, I want to kind of jump back into a little more diverse content. Uh, one of which is I, I'm going to have it. We're planning it out now. I'm, I'm looking to have... A friend joined me for a Save the World episode. Uh, Much like when you are with friends and family and and you dream of what would you do if you won the lottery. I'm I'm looking to have a bit of a back and forth with how do we solve all of the world's problems. And it it may sound uh, a little out of reach, but the truth is real people are the ones that have the ability to fix real problems. Uh, we need to stop putting our faith in people that just don't deserve it and stop underestimating the intelligence of, of the common man. You, me, uh, your neighbor have a much greater grasp of the world than people like to think. Uh, you do not have to be a poli-sci expert to, to know, hey, this is wrong, or this is right, this isn't going to work. Uh, the Common sense is, is drastically missing from very many parts of society these days. Uh, so we're going to take a stab at fixing it. Uh, we certainly won't get everything right, but uh, it'll be interesting to have a conversation on how we do it. Uh, so that's one I'm really looking forward to. I've got another couple interviews lined up that we're we're just trying to set the timelines up, trying to to sync up two different life schedules is quite the challenge when I usually only have about one night a week to to knock this out of the park. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited for the content we've got kind of mapped out in the in the short future and. Honestly, a little excited to, to maybe take a step back from the monotonous, nonstop politics of the micro scale. Uh, we'll probably still touch on some of the, the overarching themes of tyranny, but I, I really do want to unplug a little bit from the immediate politics. Um, but it's uh, it's been a good week. I, I think... We're turning a corner. I, I think we probably have a couple more speed bumps ahead of us, but uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe the sun is starting to rise. I I feel good. I hope you guys are too. Uh, actually, uh, I got an email today. Our podcast is now broken through the top 150 political podcasts in Canada, and we are cruising to break the top 100. And for a new podcast that's I mean I didn't I didn't get too too excited it's it's not we're not where we want to be yet we're we're aiming 
for, for much higher, but uh, it was really nice to see that we're now starting to cut through some of the, the mud in the sense that there's just so many podcasts that people start and they, they just kind of stop and I, I get it. Uh, life gets crazy and it sometimes seems like you're talking to no one. Um, but I, I've, I've gotten so much support over the last few weeks. Uh, a lot of people have reached out to me and, and thanked me and, and told me that they're sharing their content and, uh, are really enjoying it. So thank you all. Uh, please continue to share it if you have people that you think this might benefit. Um, but yeah, we are, we are working our way into the middle stream. And, uh, for somebody who just started this a half dozen weeks ago, uh, it feels really good. So, uh, thanks for all the love and the support. And, uh, till we meet again next week, uh, stay well. And, uh, hopefully you can stay sane today through the, uh, election and tomorrow through the mail-ins. All right. Take care.